Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. A quote by Nelson Mandela. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry. And this is your host Ukti Vora. I'm really excited to introduce our guest for today, Ms. Jude Stern. She's the head of knowledge management at the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness. Jude is a global educator and knowledge broker with extensive experience working at the intersection of global eye health and international development. She works collaboratively with a diverse range of IAPB members and partners facilitating shared knowledge, building collaboration and shared sense of purpose. At IAPB, Jude is responsible for delivery of the Vision Atlas, a global mapping of vision and eye care needs, learning programs such as the COVID-19 and eye health web series, focus on an, the global assembly and facilitating the exchange of knowledge as the sector works towards integrating centered eye care and universal health coverage. She is the committee member of various organizations like the World Council of Optometry. Prior to working at IAPB, Jude's work centered on human resource development to meet the global need for refractive error services. She directed the development and delivery of Brian Holden Vision Institute Academy education programs for nearly 20 years, including global programs. Jude is an optometrist and holds a graduate certificate in public health. She has a special interest in developing leadership skills in the eye health sector, myopia management and gender equity. She's an advocate for equitable access to eye care for all and the potential of good vision to unlock human potential. I hope I did a good justice to your introduction and I'm so happy to have you on this episode. Thank you so much for all your time and a warm welcome Dr. Jude. Thank you so much, Ukti. It's such a wonderful uh, opportunity to be here and I really appreciate having been asked. Um, yeah, thank you. Wonderful. So you have a vast, vast experience in public health and that is one topic which is very close to my heart because I have done a few episodes prior to this one and I feel this is a little uh, neglected segment of eye care, but it has such a huge scope of, you know, development and topics to discuss about. So before we dive deep into your work at Brian Holden Vision Institute or IAPB, I want to really know a little bit about how did you bump into this wonderful profession of optometry and eye care. Let's talk about your journey. Thanks, Ukti. Um, yeah, I've had a, an interesting journey and a fun journey, I must say. Um, I graduated as an optometrist in Sydney, Australia, Uh, a number of years ago <laughs> and um, like most people walked into private practice um, locally in my area and um, whilst I did enjoy practice and I did um, really like making connections with patients and trying to solve their problems I guess I was always a bit of a, a bigger thinker and or you're thinking about Uh, problems on a more global level or you know wanting to create action and change at a different kind of level and took a break for a little while after private practice thinking about what I'd like to do and traveled the world um, and came back looking for something different and I ended up uh, working in research clinical research at the Institute for Eye Research here in Australia uh, Sydney Australia um, where I was fortunate enough to work with some really incredible people on clinical trials of the at the time novel silicon hydrogel contact lenses looking at um, the materials and wear schedules and safety um, 
and yeah, learned so much through that about you know research and uh, a bigger world of eye care outside clinical practice. Um, and again, I just have to emphasize the amazing people that I worked with at the time, and just opening my eyes to all these different things that were available in um, in eye care, and um, that ended up. Uh, leading me to working on an education program related to contact lenses and, um, you know, changing eye care practitioners' uh, knowledge about uh, wearing contact lenses, the silicon hydrogel material, meaning that they could uh, patients could sleep in them, but it's a journey to change practice as a practitioner and for the patient to mm-hmm. understand, you know, the benefits and whatnot. And that was quite a successful program. And uh, after that program, <laughs> um, then I moved into what has become, you know, my passion and my uh, real area of interest is, you know, public health and international development in eye care. And it's very fortunate to be uh, in the space at the time when the WHO announced um, uncorrected refractive error as a major cause of blindness and vision impairment. And that really informed the work that I was doing there in human resource development. Uh, in training, training um, people around the world uh, in all aspects of eye care, particularly related to refractive error, refraction, and the prescription of glasses and screening for eye disease. And, you know, our work very quickly went towards sustainable um, solutions for uh, eye care personnel. And so um, yeah, I spent time there developing programs, uh, upskilling uh faculty educators in optometry schools and other places and uh, programs that focused on leadership around education, advocacy, equity and accessibility Um, and then took this job at IAPB about 12 months ago. Awesome. I mean, that's that's definitely a fun journey, but I do have a lot of questions. So (laughs) talking about, you know, you were working in a private practice and then you you went to working with Brian Holden Institute and you did research and now you're with IAPB. This transition of, you know, something which is within your four walls, like your practice to having a vision of trying to do something global, even though you were excited, I want to know, was it overwhelming? Um, I think I moved into it in such a stepwise manner that that it wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. If you would have asked me in private practice, did I want to go into clinical research trials, I would have thought that was way too overwhelming. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But because I was on yeah. a journey of looking for something different, when we got involved, they, you know, it was very much um, well supported by the colleagues around me. And then moving from that into the world of public health was another step that was um, not as big as if I'd gone out of cl- private practice, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, I because it sounds exciting, but I feel if today if I was in a private practice and now tomorrow if I'm like, I want to do something in public health and just look at something within the four walls to a global picture, it might be a very overwhelming as an optometrist. But as you mentioned, if you go stepwise, it's definitely not as overwhelming as it would be, say, a direct I- jump. Yeah, and there are a lot of people and organisations involved in this space now, certainly more than I started in terms of optometry. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would jump to connecting with those organisations or people involved in um, global optometry or global eye care. But, you know, public health is such a broad term. Everyone can do public health from the four walls of their practice. Um, And you can start locally and build up globally 
And there are also some amazing courses out there. I did step into doing the graduate certificate in public health to get my grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's You can do graduate certificates, masters, but there are a lot of other online courses and face-to-face courses that are shorter that can orient you into the global need, sustainable development practices, um, working with partners and collaborators in the space. There's a lot, a lot out there that you could take steps. I'm definitely going to discuss a little more later in the episode, but let's talk uh, a little more about uh, IAPB. Like everyone knows about it. It is an agency where uh, everyone is dependent for like data and information and the work they do. But I feel there is still a limitation in awareness of what they do overall. Can you share a little bit about it? Sure, absolutely. Um, so IAPB is an overarching alliance for the global eye health sector. We're a membership organisation and we have over 150 members that are situated in over a con- uh, sorry, 100 countries across the world. And wow. uh, so it's a really vast network of like-minded people and organisations. IAPB and across the IAPB network, we believe in a world where no one is needlessly visually impaired where everyone has access to the best possible standard of eye health and where those with low vision achieve their full potential. Um, And so it really is about how the network comes together to advocate, to connect knowledge and to share experiences to make sure that we have equitable and accessible eye health services across the world. Uh, IAPB's key priorities are in global advocacy, connecting knowledge, Mm -hmm. strengthening the network and providing service to our members. That is that is everything <laughs> in making sure the one billion or one. I'm I'm correct me if my numbers are like wrong, but it's more than one billion people who are known to be suffering or visual loss, which could be because they do not have access to eye care services, and the number is known just to increase because you know we're still uh, way way behind in you know bridging those gaps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sadly, you're right. It's 1.1 billion people who have vision loss because they don't have access to eye care services. So when we talk about these organisations and the partners who are working together, can you highlight uh, a little more on how uh, how is this entire collaboration working? So IAPB uh, works with its members in quite a number of ways. And um, mm-hmm. If you have a look back over the last 20 years, IAPB was uh, instrumental in being in driving the Vision 2020 initiative and I think that gives us mm-hmm. a lot of examples of how the sector has worked together to um, in global advocacy to get WHO uh, eye health resolutions passed, to create awareness about uh, avoidable vision loss and to mm-hmm. also um, pull knowledge and learning so that sustainable solutions for eye care development become common knowledge and worked on together rather than individually. And some of the biggest successes would be around, uh, you know, resource mobilisation. For example, in Australia, through through off the back of Vision 2020, um, initiatives like the Global Avoidable Blindness Initiative uh, where a very large grant through the Australian government was granted to eye care to help in the Pacific, in the Asia Pacific region. And that was done because of the partnership and collaboration in eye care. Um, right. So, yeah, we worked right. together in a multitude of ways. 
Right. No, that's that's really important to learn because I feel there is a lot of gap in understanding. Like we see these things are happening, but how are they happening? Right. So I feel the example you gave was really helpful to understand that how these partnerships are actually making the World Health Organizations and working in global advocacy to make changes and give importance to eye care and uh, mainly the the gap that we have in you know achieving the accessible uh, eye care i feel that's that was neglected and there were various voices popping out in different direction but bringing them all under one roof and going out as one voice was really important and i'm so happy that iapb is able to achieve it through their membership program so kudos to the entire team for the initiative thank you and i think it's um important is the platform for actually coming together and exchanging ideas so um, when we can meet in a face-to-face world we have the global assembly every four years uh, we have com- the council of members which happens in the years that the global assembly aren't there where really the members do come together exchange ideas set the agenda um, find new partnerships and in today's pandemic world we're trying to replicate a lot of that online this year <laughs> right 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 we all are learning <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a new space. <laughs> right. But I am all, I also have to say, I think uh, the way everyone has adapted it. And though uh, I feel one of the, the boon in disguise of pandemic is adaption of telemedicine or telehealth. And the way things have been rapidly made available of uh, joining healthcare and technology. I feel that is definitely going to help in bridging this gap, which otherwise would have been a space which would have taken maybe forever to kind of grow and develop. Yeah, I think it's really interesting and it is a space to watch. I think in countries where the technology was either in use already or uh, in early stages of deployment, it was we've seen a lot of scale-up of using technology. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of settings, lower resource settings that didn't have access and still struggle to get access. Um, and I think that is a key area where we could make a difference as a sector. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now talking about, um, you know, the fun, we did talk about a few initiatives, but are there some unknown facts which you would like to share just to kind of make it a little more interesting about IAPV? Yeah, well, um, I don't know how unknown they are. And I did uh, reach out to a couple of colleagues to draw on this that have been at IOPB for longer. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, this year on World Sight Day, which is an IOPB-led initiative, we were trending on Twitter in both the UK and Australia, which was the first time we've trended, which was good. Nice. <laughs> um, we have um, apparently on World Sight Day, we actually remind a lot of eye care professionals to get their eyes tested, which has been an un- unintended benefit of World Sight Day. <laughs> I so, okay, I have to say this. So I did uh, a webinar recently uh, about, about, about eye exam and eye care for optometrists. And that was one thing. And it was a day after World Sight Day and for some reason I felt the same thing like did I get my annual checkup done <laughs> and I started my webinar talking to optometry students that hey you know what you're doing a great job but make sure you get your eyes tested too so, <laughs> yeah it's true yeah. it's true and there are it's a lot so of colleagues true. around our profession I work with a lot of people who aren't optometrists or ophthalmologists who actually don't know until these awareness days that they should be getting their eyes tested annually every two years or whatever the whatever it is for their 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 time in life 
Right. I think this is this is a great initiative and yeah, I definitely creates a lot of vibe and awareness and you know it's amazing to trend right and i care i think anything is trending i'm so happy about it <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a we got a leg up from the i don't know if you saw but the queen actually interviewed some of our eye health heroes for world sight day this year that's yes, why we're yes, trending yes. I, that's why we trended in the uk <laughs> yes 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 i did see and they did yeah. have a uh, a video with one of the uh, healthcare workers in india as well and that's how yes. uh, i kind of new because i followed their page and they did post uh, the video so yes definitely yeah. now i talking about the initiatives that iapp does i think one of the most uh, interesting one is the vision atlas the map that is under your domain and i have to say i have used that so many times in my presentations because that's my only place to get like a global data so first Fantastic. of all thank you for you know leading that initiative i want to know everything how did that initiative start if you can share and you know what is it looks like how that process is just i'm just so curious about knowing everything about it <laughs> i think i think it's wonderful that you use it thank you for for sharing that because it's always good to know it's being put to good use um now i have to uh thank and give acknowledgement to the people in iapb before me because the first vision atlas was really uh the combination and hard work of the team at iapb under peter ackland um and john trevelyan in and it is a collaboration with the vision loss expert group which is led by Rupert Bourne and um as you can see that most of the data at the moment that is on there is from the vision loss expert group and without their collaboration and their vision for the vision atlas um it it wouldn't be what it is today um so i think it was quite amazing that they had that foresight to be able to come up with a concept and realize that taking complicated data sets that sit in a journal uh, need the visualizations, need the mapping so that uh, people who are involved in advocacy or learning or you know any other aspect of eye care can actually look at it quite quickly and work out you know, what the data that they need for their region, their country or their particular aspect of eye care that they're interested in. Um, right. The first the first edition was developed as a book and online and it was book first. So this time we have transitioned to a primarily digital version. So that's a big, a big difference. Um, and hopefully with all the technology improvements that happened in the last five years, hopefully it's a little bit easier to use and navigate this time around. Um, and we will be adding some more interactive elements by the end of the year to help uh, analyze the data further as a mm -hmm. as a layperson and um, also to bring dashboards for the regions and the countries so you can compile that data in a much more easy fashion amazing i am looking forward to it because i am one of your uh, customer or consumer to use that data <laughs> for anything looking for like global i feel that's the only place where i feel i trust that the information that's uh, set out plus it gives me a comparative data to make sure like what's happening say in x country versus y developed versus underdeveloped just an example and it has got all the different age group conditions projections of you know how you feel it's going to be in the future year so i really uh use the vision atlas a lot and for all the listeners who haven't even looked at it uh, i'm going to add the link of the vision atlas as well as the IAPP website in the description of this episode. Do check it out. If you are an optometrist, you should, should, should 
test check it out and have to have to see this it will make you understand the global depth of you know the vision care requirement that is already there so i feel it is a very good visual for us to understand there's so much work to be done <laughs> Thank you, Ivan. That is, uh, I hope that everyone is listening can use it. And I'd be very interested, I'm always interested to get feedback about how you're using it and what, what you like and what else you'd like to see there. So always feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you're using it for and, you know, how, how it's... Perfect. All right. So I'll be sharing your information, at least, you know, your email or uh, if you would like to be connected via LinkedIn. So we'll talk about it at the end of the episode, but I'll make sure that if someone wants to give any feedback or connect with you, they definitely can. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, and over the next few years, we will add to the Vision Atlas. We want it to be quite dynamic and quite moving. And so um, there will be updates you know, as, as we get different types of data sets that we can add in. Awesome, awesome. Now, I, I want to dive a little more into you did mention that, you know, IABB works globally with various organizations, including the World Health Organization. And I do know we did speak a little bit offline about the work done at WHO and the UN. Can you can you share a little more about it? Sure. Um, so, IAPB and many of the other, many of our members and um, others across the eye care network have been working over the last few years with WHO. Um, last year, 2019, the World Report on Vision was published, giving a state of eye health and vision across the world. Um, and I would encourage anyone to have a read of that report or at least the executive summary. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the report made five general recommendations about what we could do to uh, improve the state of eye health and vision across the world uh, with a focus around integrated people-centred eye care and universal health coverage. And so the WHO is working in a large body of work to support that, uh, including a resolution which was passed at the World Health Assembly this year uh, to mm -hmm. ratify the recommendations of the report so that um, all the countries that are a part of the World Health Assembly then sign up to um, to deliver, I guess, eye health in their countries. Um, and the idea is that there will be another resolution that follows where there are targets and indicators made uh, for each country. Uh, in next year's work, um, WHO's work package of eye care interventions <laughs> um, and various tools such as the eye care situation analysis tool that will help um, countries translate from these big global documents into um, ways that they can action eye health in, in country. And uh, as IAPB, we will have several webinars and other um, discussions with the WHO over next year to start to share and break down what these um, tools and packages are uh, for the sector. Yeah, it is. And the work is quite phenomenal. And so I'm very excited to see yeah, what's going to come next year and have those discussions. Wonderful. I actually am very, very curious about, you know, things that you mentioned. I feel that you don't really think about it as you feel, okay, you know, these things are coming. But uh, kudos to the entire team who has been working uh, tirelessly to achieve these things and bringing the focus uh, in, in vision care and eye care to this level. I actually have to thank the entire team at IAPB and all its members for, you know, working so hard over the past few years, which, you know, made it to this level. 
Yeah, look, I agree. It's a team of the IPB, but it's a much bigger team and network. And you know the right. the, the group, the eye care group at WHO, are phenomenal as well. <laughs> and um, absolutely, yeah, there's a big network of people. The way IPB works is through um, often through working groups or task force. And so, you know, we we always draw on the members to to be a part of every initiative so that, you know, whatever is going on there, there's, you can be sure there's a group of members working together with the lead person in IAPB um, nice. around each initiative. Um, and so similarly, for the first time, and this is a new area, the work with WHO has been going for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the first time eye care was ever mentioned at the UN was, I believe, last year. <laughs> So, um, wow. yeah, <laughs> it sort of feels like, well, how did that happen? And so, right. um, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, the UN is working on the sustainable development goals and uh, what is needed to achieve that by 2030. Um, the UN Friends of Vision Group was started a year or two ago uh, to bring eye health into the conversation at the UN. Uh Intuitively, we know that eye health is linked to many of the sustainable development goals. There's evidence mm-hmm. around a fair a fair few, and there's going to be more evidence coming out in the future. Um, but it's not something that's been articulated at that level. And so the Friends of Vision group have been working on creating awareness about eye health and vision. Last year, there was a screening at the UN before the pandemic, <laughs> and I think over mm-hmm. 500 people at the UN came and got their vision screened and um were then you know either referred for specs or or um further eye care as needed and uh the big but the big exciting highlight is that this year we are working towards a un general assembly resolution which should happen Mm -hmm. by the end of this year um and we have three ambassadors working hard on that at the moment and then they um there's a larger group of ambassadors that are uh, supporting those efforts as well. So it's really exciting to have that many people interested in eye care, particularly this year, which is not an easy year. Uh, and it, right. will, it will enable eye care to be on the development agenda, uh, which opens many other avenues for getting um, partnerships, collaborations, resources for eye health moving forward. That is wonderful, though. This year is not as we would have hoped it to be being in the eye care. But I'm so happy to see that 2020 is the year where people are talking about eye care, vision care and making resolutions at WHO and UN. So there's some bright side to this entire pandemic that is going on. So, well, I'm happy to I'm happy to celebrate that piece of it. I have to agree with you on that. <laughs> And good luck for all these upcoming initiatives. I'm I'm very sure we all are just looking forward to see how each one of us can contribute towards these initiatives. So talking about, you know, all these big initiatives that are going around, as an optometrist, how can one contribute? Oh, there are so many ways. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's really, you know, I mean, you can do from... From very simple, small steps to, you know, larger, um, broader steps, you know, uncorrected refractive error is the biggest cause of vision loss globally. Uh, I think the numbers are 671 million people uh, don't see well because they don't have a pair of glasses. That is the domain of optometry. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're clearly well-placed to be a very 
active player in the uh, in the provision of primary eye care services. Uh, so as an optometrist, if you're in clinical practice, you can easily uh, start just by considering who's accessing your services and whether there are other groups that can't access your services and you, you may be able to make it available to them uh, accessibly or for, for affordability. Um, just having a look for the inequities that exist around you and seeing what you can do to provide for that, either in your practice or advocating for those groups of people more broadly in your mm-hmm. community or, or area. Um, you can also create awareness. So things, initiatives like, join initiatives like World Sight Day and the need for getting your eyes tested. As you said yourself, so many people don't know they need to get their eyes tested. <laughs> so right. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. Creating demand is a, a large part of the solution. Creating demand is a large part of the solution. <laughs> the lack of awareness is a large <laughs> part of the problem. Um, and join the community. You know, there's so many people now working in this space, whether it's in optometry, ophthalmology, public health, or other areas of development. Um Join IAPB, join other relevant organisations like we mentioned the World Council of Optometry earlier or local ones based in your own um, country or locality and also make the connections outside eye health. Make sure eye health is integrated in health and other areas like education, um, workplace productivity, those types of areas where we know people need glasses or need eye care to perform well. Um, consider when, if you are generous enough to donate your time and expertise, consider doing it to sustainable projects. So where you are perhaps mentoring other, uh, eye care providers or providing, helping provide education programs that are embedded within local countries. Um, so have a look at that. And, you know, there's always the option to donate. <laughs> um, right, absolutely. To, to relevant causes, uh, relevant groups around eye care, if, you, you know, if that's the way that you connect with it. I really liked uh, whatever you mentioned are definitely some easy implementation which people or optometrists can do immediately. But one thing I want to actually call out is the fact we don't really talk much outside optometry or outside our IK community, I feel making it a little more vocal about healthcare in general or connecting with, say, your uh, primary physician, even as an optometrist, or connecting with other specialities or people in the schools and organizations or companies and reaching out to them and talking about eye care. If that is done, there's definitely a lot, lot of scope of reaching out to people. And I also want to break one more myth. I feel it's it's my personal observation that people feel that the care is only required in the rural area or people where there is no access. But I have known from my very little experience that even people educated in urban cities do not take good care of the eye or don't consider doing an eye exam is important. Yeah. So I feel reaching out to your community just don't think that they have access so they will be taking care of their eyes should be something which you know we should be focusing on yeah i have a i have a little story i tell often in that domain um quite a number of years back quite a number of years back now when my son was in grade one he had a friend um you fit the profile of quiet kid had a few friends, not too many, didn't like playing sports, read a lot, um, clearly very smart, and no one picked up that he was having trouble seeing in the distance. So he had sort of developed that 
that persona because he wasn't seeing in the distance. I live in an area where there are plenty of eye care services. Um, at the mm -hmm. same time in my work, uh, my colleagues in Africa were involved in, um, in doing an evaluation of a blind school in Malawi. And um, they found they found that in that blind school, three quarters of the students there didn't need to be there. They only needed a pair of glasses, but there was nowhere in the country to make glasses. Um, and so at the time, uh, my son's friend and a boy of equivalent age in the Malawi school, they were both as neglected as each other. <laughs> They're both unable oh to see and progress because of their eyes and not participating right. in sport, not able to make friends easily, um, mm -hmm. not struggling at school. They were both bright, but they were they were getting in trouble for copying other people, reading each other's work. Mm -hmm. the, the thing with the story is that once my, um, my son's friend realised he needed glasses, he got them within days. And this kid in Malawi, right. um, it took weeks. The glasses had to be made in South Africa. They came back. They were presented in a ceremony where the, uh, I think it was the Minister of Health or someone similar was there. It was this big deal. And um, it took many, many weeks for him to actually get his glasses. And then if he broke his glasses, he had nowhere to get them fixed. So um, it can't, you're right, it can happen in any community, but in some communities it's easier to make the solutions happen. Absolutely. That is that is such an amazing story. Thanks for sharing. But yes, I, I agree that we definitely reach out to the, the community who do not have access to, but your neighbor or your kid around you might also need glasses. So pay attention to both the segments. Yeah. Now talking about you had your practice, you were into research, and now you are into this public health space. If you could highlight, you know, what is the best part working with IABB as an experience from an optometrist point of view, what would that be? Oh, there's so many. Um, when you say from an optometrist point of view, I think the most exciting bit, particularly when I started, was to realise that optometry had a voice at the table. It, mm -hmm. Uh, prevention of blindness and the global eye care had really primarily been the domain of the ophthalmologist for many for many reasons, and one was that um, uncorrected refractive error was only really counted as a cause of uh, vision loss in about 2006, I think it was, when the World Health Organization declared it as a major cause of vision loss. Um, and so to be at a, in, an optometrist at the global table talking about these solutions and being able to um, advocate around the refractive error side of things and the HRD side where I've been involved has been, you know, a really, really exciting opportunity. Uh, but, mm -hmm. but much more broadly than that, that's one part as, you know, the optometry hat. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Much more broadly, one of the best things is definitely the people that I work with, uh, both at IAPB but across the membership and the network and the the ideas, the inspiration and the vision that people have to make the world a better place through vision is really, you know, inspiring and, um, and, and nice to work with. And also, you know, seeing how, how this global work can make a difference is also to be able to see it quite clearly across a lot of different countries and a lot of different environments has been really, uh, can I say, eye-opening. <laughs> Right. Oh, yes, absolutely. I feel we might take few things for granted because it's 
been a norm around you but then when you mentioned the same story of that kid you know who would who got glasses after weeks and it was like a ceremony versus here you get glasses made and broken like every every hour i would say <laughs> exactly. exactly right so we did talk a lot about you know i care iapp your work and uh, we had a lot of knowledge sharing there but i want to uh, i want us to you know go down to the fun segment of the podcast which uh, is the rapid fire i yep. see the nervous <laughs> laugh there but don't worry it's going to be fun i promise okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so are you ready i'm ready awesome my first question if you were not an optometrist what do you think you would be oh wow good question um <laughs> uh, I, one thing i always say to my uh, daughter that i always thought if i maybe my retirement plan is to actually be a florist <laughs> oh <laughs> i really like find something therapeutic about working with flowers <laughs> interesting interesting well well good 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 to know that <laughs> if you had to travel my second question which is your favorite destination which you have been to or you would like to travel when things open up oh so many that is such a tough question <laughs> um <laughs> right now considering the current situation i was um i would really like to go uh, to one of the pacific islands and have a nice holiday <laughs> somewhere like <laughs> samoa or fiji <laughs> um to have a holiday but Oh, so many favorite places. I really would like to get back to Vietnam. Um, I'd like nice. to go and see colleagues in Uganda. There are so many places. Couldn't pick just oh one. Oh my god, you are a, you are like a global traveler too. So it's I feel it's really a perfect job <laughs> working globally. I should have put that one in. Absolutely. I'm sure you're missing it during these times, but we'll be all safe and that's what that's what is important. Now, are you a night person or a morning person? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I've become a night person with this global job. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Which is your favorite TV show? Uh, I'm just trying to think of the name of it. We were watching it together. What's it called? What I watched recently uh with my husband that was a bit of fun was Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you were a superhero, which superpower do you wish you had? That's a great great question. Um I've played this many times with my kids. Uh reading minds, I think. I'd like to be able to read people's uh-huh. minds. <laughs> Interesting. I like it. I like it. Okay. If you were to inter- interview a celebrity dead or alive, who would that be? Um The first one that comes to mind and I think it's you started the podcast uh was Nelson Mandela. Ah, nice. I'm sure we would all will we all would want to hear him talk, right? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And the last question, uh so one thing if you could add or delete from an optometry curriculum, what would that be? Oh, I would have to say add or amend a uh proper global eye health slash public health um mm-hmm. subject that not so much a subject embedding it across the curriculum so that it is part of the way that we think wonderful wonderful so with that is the end of the rapid fire as promised it wasn't that difficult right <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny being put on the spot that's fine <laughs> 
right so uh, thank you so much judy once again for you know sharing such an amazing information i'm pretty sure we learned so much but before i let you go what would be your final takeaway message for all my listeners uh yes my final takeaway message is uh get involved uh we are stronger when we're together so get involved reach out within the sector and beyond the sector to people with a common interest um we're stronger together absolutely absolutely i'm so thankful for you you know sharing such an amazing uh, insights about ivb talking us and giving us what it is doing giving us uh, how we can co- giving us information how we can contribute so with that thank you so much once again jude for sharing such an insightful and doing this amazing podcast episode with me i truly ap- appreciate your time and all the hard work you and the entire team of ibb is doing you okay for inviting me on and thank you for creating a podcast where people can share their stories and uh, in the optometry community it's really a lovely A lovely connection for people to have. Thank you so much.